acknowledge the First Nations people as the traditional custodians of the land and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Namaste and welcome to another episode of the Diaspora Podcast. I am Akashika Mola and today, with pleasure, I announce the launch of a new segment Spilling the Beans with one of my oldest friends, Shikha Jajodia Lowe from the United Kingdom. Shikha Jajodia Lowe will be bringing the diaspora flavor from the UK. An Ashtangani, vegan, married to an Englishman with a gifted child, Shikha recently lost her father to coronavirus. The guilt of not seeing her father for over 18 months of this crisis in attempts to move forward through the healing touch of her son, Shikha brings along a heartfelt episode sharing who she is, where she's at, as the diaspora, and how it was for her in the first years of her arrival in UK, the growing up taboos, and now to the grown-up realization. Shikha's sunshine aura, strength, simple living, and high thinking with enormous energy, warmth, and positivity, and above all, chic wittiness is truly gifted. And I'm sure you will absolutely enjoy this episode. Today in the times when the world is getting dangerously crowded by smart cards, smartphones, smart TVs and coronavirus, it's really important for me to bring on some real fun, chirpy, chick conversations on life, womanhood and of course the very famous UK diaspora lifestyle and you will definitely be hearing a lot more of us together in those unplugged conversations of two friends from UK to Australia in COVID times with both of us made in India. <laughs> so before we move on further, let's take a moment to welcome Shikha to the diaspora. lovely summer morning I'm sitting on my own thinking wow I've got two days to myself I've just packed my husband and my little boy who is a very hyperactive child for a camping trip to Mersey Island and now I've got two days completely to myself I'm not sure what I'm going to do I may meet some friends why may just take some quiet time contemplating because just so much has gone on in the last month really in my life. Uh, I've lost my dad to COVID in India. I've not been able to go see him. He was waiting all of last year to see us. We still couldn't go. And even this year, I told him, don't, you know, you, you need to hold on. And we are definitely coming this summer, come what may. But, you know, the fighter that he was at some point, I think everybody's got to put down this word at some point and everybody has their time so this was his and I'm trying to come to terms with that so yeah I think I may just have a restful day today I'm Shika Jujodia Low. I was born and brought up in India and I moved to the UK about 17 years back when I married my husband who's an Englishman so yeah I live here now I've got a little boy who goes to school and then I found myself 
this gorgeous Ashtanga practice, which I have been doing now for a few years. I've got a fantastic teacher who pushes me to come to my edge in each practice. So that's beautiful. It also keeps me really focused. So yeah, I mean, I'm trying my best to get on with life, stop thinking of all the negative things that are happening around the world, trying to focus on all the good things that I have around. I've got still got my husband and my family around, even though I haven't been able to see my mum in spite of all of what's happened. But, you know, I live in hope that I'll be able to see them perhaps later this year. And thanks to technology, I'm still able to speak to them and see them every day on Zoom. It's not the same, but it's a lot better than not having anything. I'm thinking maybe I should try my hand at some more cooking. Not that I know how to cook. And lockdown, in spite of us being in lockdown in the UK for a good 15 months, I have shame to admit that I've still not been able to learn to cook. I did blame it on my dad saying that you took me right to his office when I was just finishing my high school and I used to go to uni in the morning and and to the office later and we never had time to learn all this. I was really blessed that we had enough people working for us that we didn't need to learn either. But I mean, looking now at this lockdown when I've been uh, the one having to cook for my husband and my little boy, it's um, really not been very good. I mean, I have to say thank God for the local butcher and the very good takeaway services we've got that we've managed to get through. It's not them mostly. It's my own food that's a hassle because I'm vegan and I'm extremely fussy with my food. I've had a history of eating disorders. So all that comes into play. And But, you know, I, I must keep trying. You never know. One day I may just be able to make the right chapati that I want or make, make a good Indian dal that I really like. So, yeah, I'm hoping I can do that. But yeah, I I look back and I see I cannot imagine how we've lived the last 15 months in lockdown. It's just been unbelievable. I mean, at least here in the UK, we've had the freedom to go for walks and just go in the park and just connect with nature. So for a while when it happened, I was like, oh, uh, this isn't so bad after all. I mean, like I love living a very simple life. You know, I went for my walks in the morning and I did my yoga with my teacher on Zoom. And, you know, I did a bit of homeschooling, which was really taxing. I cannot believe how teachers handle so many children together. I mean, just one was like really hard work. And I'm like thinking, oh, my God, I didn't even work this hard all through university. And I told my husband, who's really particular on my boy's studies. And I said, come on, I didn't even work this hard all through college life, you know, that I'm having to do with a grade two student. But, uh, well, at least I'm hoping that's the end of the lockdown. We are slowly starting to come out. We're able to see our friends again, which is like a huge novelty right now. But like some days I just wake up and I think this has to be a dream. This cannot be real. Like I'm sure my dad's going to call me soon. And I'm sure, you know, Rob's going to wake me up and say, you know, you've overslept. Come on, you know, because I obviously wake up at this unholy hour of 4 a.m. Because 
okay, I won't go there. It, it is really weird. But yeah, I do wake up at that hour every day. Even today, Saturday being the Shtanga rest day, I still woke up at four o'clock and I'm not sure what I thought I would achieve at that hour, but I did. So, so yeah. And then I may even contemplate going to London tomorrow. I haven't been to London for a good 16 months now. Uh, I think last I went to London was on my birthday last year. Yeah, last year in January when I went out with my friends for my birthday dinner. And and then before you knew it, it was like March and we had this strange lockdown. And, and even now I can't believe like, I mean, is this a movie? You you think this this happens only in movies? How can this be real? But but it's but it, unfortunately it is real, and uh, I'm hoping that there will be light at the end of the tunnel. But for now, I mean, like you see this bit of light coming through, and then again something happens, and it, you feel like you're just in this endless, endless merry-go-round, which you, I just wanted to stop, and I want to get off. So yesterday, my little boy. Ethan asked me, oh, who lives in Buckingham Palace? What does the Queen do there? And it made me laugh because he asked some of these questions and like, does she clean her own room like I do? And I'm like, "Uh, no, I don't think she has to do that. But yeah, I mean, it's been a really strange time for the royal family before and during COVID with Prince Harry. (laughs) It was like unbelievable from being one of the most popular royals to do the whole facade with Meghan Markle and then poor Prince Philip going. But, you know, when Prince Philip died, it was similar timing to my dad died only a few weeks later. My little boy asked, so how come Prince Philip can live till 99 and my granddad has to go at 79? And that's a question I couldn't answer. And I just said that it's, Everybody has their time and this was his time to go. And But, you know, he's all around us, just like the night sky. You look at the night sky, there's a star and you never know which star is your granddad watching it at us down. And, you know, I've always taught Ethan to believe in magic. I'm a really strong believer in, in the power of positivity, in the power that the universe will bring to us what we want. Uh, I can see the whole truth of that in my life. I come from a fairly conservative family in India. I mean, my, my dad did work international and we had a lot of exposure all the time to the West and things like that. But he was pretty conservative in his upbringing with us. So we weren't allowed to go out at nights and we weren't allowed to have boyfriends. And I was actually engaged when I was quite young at 21 um, in an arranged setup, which was like, I met the guy a few times and it was like, oh, you've got to make a decision. It's not like now in India where you get to date the person and, you know, you go out with them for 20 times and then think, oh, maybe not. But uh, this is going back. Oh, I've been married 17 years and before that. So yeah, good 20 years back, India was very different. And, and uh, yeah, so after my engagement broke off, which was the guy's fault, not mine, but obviously, you know, there was a lot of questions asked to me, like, oh, what went wrong? And what did you do? What or what did you say? But, but that is a long time back. And, you know, sometimes there is a silver lining in every cloud. And that's how I met my husband, because I started working with my dad. I'd become a very, very rebellious character. And uh, now if I look back and see, oh, my God, what I put my parents through 
I mean, like, I think you only come to terms with how difficult you've been when you've got a child and then you feel that protective urge towards your child. And then you think, oh, my God, that's how my parents must have felt. And I fought it and I don't want to live with you and I want to do my own thing. And, and you know, it, it was a very, very big deal. Um, I, I, I think I rebelled for years and years. And then when I when I met my husband, he was only just starting his career and I lived quite a flamboyant lifestyle, you know, having working with dad, I used to earn good money and, you know, I used to live with my parents. So every expense was taken care of and I, all the money I earned was extra splurging money. And, and I was very, very blessed to live an intelligent lifestyle. And then when my husband, I met him, he was, he just started his career and, uh, and we were only just friends for a long time until, until you know, the crazy side in me just kept doing these trips overseas, lying to my parents each time. And, and then thanks to some very good friends who had great contacts in some Indian hotels, we got very good deals. And, you know, Rob was able to come and visit me several times. And when, and when he married, asked me to marry him, I think I was laughing because I was living this life on the edge and liking every bit of it. And, and, and I didn't think marriage was for me at that point. But then I thought, oh, maybe uh, it won't be so bad because like Rob and I are really good friends as well. And he'll just let me be and live my life and not have these hundred restrictions, which India at that time had. And, and I just wanted to be the person I want to be and, and not be you know, like a prisoner of what society asked you to do. And in India, those days, it was very much like, oh, what will the other person say? And we can't do this. And so, yeah, he he's always let me be the person I want to be, you know, 17 years down the line. He still never questions anything that I do. And he's really come up in his career and in his life. And I do think in this, it is the universe playing a massive role. I believe completely. Yes, he worked hard and I can't take that away from him. He's worked really, really hard. But I cannot also take away the element of fortuitous in that the universe made it happen from the time that we got together, which was unheard of. I mean, from a conservative family, Marion you know, Agora, like they say, an English guy, a foreigner. And, and then coming to England, which was initially really scary. I remember coming first day when, you know, when you see a country from a holiday point of view, and then before you know it, you're coming to live there. It's a shock to the system. I had never used the washing machine and I'd never washed dishes. And it was like unbelievable. And I, I remember I had to wash these sheets and just hang them out and the way I hung them out I think my mother-in-law had a field day that day laughing because she'd never seen anything like that like who just dumps clothes on the line just thinking that it'll dry on their own but but yeah it's been a learning process I, I had a great job in London I worked in shipping I mean that's how the only thing I know and that's how I met my husband and so yeah I worked in shipping for a long time had a great time in the office I think Rob used to say I go to the office only to entertain myself not to work which in largely it was true but uh, I made some brilliant friends there and I'm still very good friends with them we still go out a fair bit and I'm hoping I can see them again soon because lockdown's taken away you know whilst it's given us things and feelings and quality time with 
you know, my family, but it's also taken away things from us. It's taken away. I feel it's taken away for me 18 months of my dad's final innings, which, you know, I'll never, ever get over, which will never come back. And and then seeing my friends and, and it, but it does teach you so much that life is so fragile and you cannot continue living just thinking that I'm invincible or this is not going to touch me or I can just be arrogant and, and, you know, be this horrible person to whoever I feel like and, and just move on. But it doesn't work like that. You know, sometimes, you know, if I'm rude to somebody, I think back, oh, my God, what if I don't get a chance to say sorry anymore? And and I try to make up for it. And and like, you know, yesterday I was a bit uppity about something and I thought, oh, my God, this is so ridiculous. How can I be this person when all I'm doing, trying, especially in my yoga, that anything, I mean, my most important thing is what I bring on the mat. I want to bring it out in my life and take it off the mat and be gentle and kind. So I am trying to improve myself. Perhaps this is a time to for self-improvement that the universe is giving us. It's coming up to midday. And because I follow intermittent fasting, my last meal has been at 5.30 last, eve- uh, last night, which was my dinner. And I usually now eat after I finish my practice, which is about 11-ish. And then, you know, I, um, I freshen up and I eat my first meal of the day at 11, which is a big meal, but still at 11 or, or sometimes midday. But I'm very lucky that I've got a lady who comes to cook for me because, again, cooking is not my forte. And she does these really good Indian meals and and I freeze most of it and I put some in the fridge. And thankfully, since Rob started losing weight, which I'm really grateful he has, he's lost 20 kgs, which he needed to as well. I mean, he was hitting triple digits. And I'm like, come on, I'm this small person and I'm really into my fitness and thing. And I'm like a yogi and you come along and they laugh at me because they think that all my fitness ideas must be definitely on my family and but you know I have to admit he does have a job which which needs him to constantly socialize with people and clients and and alcohol is a big part of it but um but he has tried and he's also doing now copying everything I eat for ages he told me oh what sort of squirrel food are you eating because I'm a massive fan of nuts like I can eat like I think I eat a few kgs every month seeing my grocery bill I can tell you this and uh, but now no the copycat he's now eating like quinoa and lentils and nuts and like dates seeds I'm like thinking oh my god you little twit all these years you made fun of me but no I'm really really pleased because it's it's the healthy way forward plus we've got a very active child he I'm hoping he's going to be a big, big cricketer one day because his cricketing skills, I mean, I'm, I'm not being biased because, again, I have no exposure to sports. I'm really not into sports, but I've not seen a child this young play like that. I think he started playing cricket at two and a half and he's now seven and a half. And by the way, we share the same birthday. So we are both born on the 16th of January. And uh, yeah, he plays amazing cricket, but he's also such a handful. And then that makes me realize, oh my God, you're so much like me. And this is also a universe giving me a smack every day on my face, I think. Because if you live with somebody who I think who's just 
this walking, talking copy of you, it's like, it's a shock to the system. And I feel sorry for Rob because he's got like double whammy on it now. But no, he's, um, he, children, it's amazing that, you know, you get to observe them so close. I mean, one of the things that I have been able to do during lockdown is where, you know, Ethan's been at home and I've been able to observe him closely like a child. Everything is like, oh my God, the first time and, and the intrigue and, you know, he's this bright little child. I remember when we went to India last year, no, it was the year before, and my dad, uh, was working at his computer outside his room and Ethan was coming and fidgeting with things. And, you know, my dad's really particular about his business and his work. And he he picked up a paperweight, which had these little coins inside it. And he told my dad, I want some of those. And my dad said, you can't take them out. So he went, turned around and he said, how come you can't take it out? And how did you get them, get them in there for the first place? I think my dad was shocked that there was a five-year-old questioning such things. And he said, you watch one day, this boy will, you know, make you really proud. And, you know, till a month back and I, uh, or, or two months back when I last spoke to him, I said, come on, dad, he's a real pain. You know, you know, you will see him six weeks a year or two months a year. He's lovely. But, you know, you living with him is a different story altogether. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, like, I'm hoping that the one day Ethan will really make something of himself. Uh, I live in hope. <laughs> and one day if he does, I'm going to make him pay me back for the endless, endless sleepless nights. I think I had, what, five years of sleeping on the floor. Unbelievable. But, you know, but uh, thankfully he's sleeping through now. So I'm very grateful. And uh, what else can it I do now. I'm like really not sure. Maybe I should try my hand and make some dal and see if I'm able to make it taste good. And at least I don't have the boys around to make fun of me and uh, tell me like, oh my God, how can you eat this? Is usually their dialogue. And I remember Ethan in preschool when he was only three, they must have asked him, oh, what's the favorite thing your mommy makes? And he said to them, my mommy only knows how to make one thing well, and that's toast. I think they thought he was joking until I said, no, no, he's not joking. He's telling the truth. In four years' time, I've learned a little bit, but it's uh, still only just about the edible food. So talking of my dad, uh, when the day he went, uh, like I was distraught, and, and I don't think my child's ever seen me up said like that because I come across at least I come across like that as a very strong individual and and for him to see me like that was quite shocking and he wrote this and he said to me oh I want to write a letter to Nanu which is what he called my dad which is an Indian version of granddad and I said yeah please do and I have to admit you know Ethan's helped me heal so much from all that's happened he he does these things and says these things. Then he wrote a little letter to Nanu saying, Dear Nanu, it's been a lovely week for me. I played this cricket and I did really well. But it's sad because now you are gone and I can't see you and you're up in heaven. And then he says, I'm not sure why you've gone up to heaven or why God's taken you away. Maybe because you were getting too old. From 1842 to 2021 is a really long time, you know. And I started laughing when I read it. I said, my dad was not born in 1842, thank you. But it was 1942. 
But if you are thinking 1842, yes, that has been a long inning. And the, the you know, the honesty and just the, the writing in itself made me just think like, oh my God, this child or any child just thinks with such purity, which when, when did we lose that along this journey? I mean, I'm sure we were all born like the same way where we we lived life simply saw things with innocence and then in the rat race of life you will lose so much i mean you lose your integrity over things and you lose honesty and you choose to be what to the outside world comes across as a success but it's not necessarily a success i mean to see an arrogant successful person is not my idea of his success at all and you know, I keep telling this to my husband who measures success again at the same level that most people do in terms of money and riches. And I said, yes, that is part of success. But the person you become in that process is also very much part of part of the journey. Because I said in, in the whole process of trying to make 10 million, if you lose yourself and you lose your health, what is the point? I said, look, my dad. And he had all the money in the world. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's turned to dust and no amount of money saved him. You know, we tried to get the best of hospitals and everything else in our what money could get. But, you know, even no amount of money could save him. And so you've got to look after your health. And I've always had this thing that health is wealth. And I know when in the office I used to work, they used to make fun of me, but there were still people. You know, the girls used to aspire to, you know, to have the fitness regime and you know, the diet that I used to have. Like, I don't follow any diet. I just eat really well. But I think, you know, also coming from eating disorder background, which I struggled with for quite a while, I think I pay a lot of focus on what I eat now. And I've also realized what foods work for my body and that, you know, going forward that I don't want to ever turn to cosmetic and aesthetic surgeries that I see all around. I mean, I live in part of England, which is Essex, where it is like the thing to do. It's full of everywhere you turn, there's an aesthetic studio and there's Botox and, oh my God. And I'm like thinking, this is not me. I will not go there because I am grateful. I've got good skin. Thanks to my parents, they, they look quite young and so yeah I am grateful but I do work hard at it as well like I eat clean I do my yoga I, I go for a walk every single day uh, come rain or snow which is a bit weird but yeah I still do yeah so I just think that you know I don't want to put poison and toxins in my body and then go do an aesthetic surgery with thousands of pounds and put needles on my face and skin and and achieve what I mean why am I trying to look young because Aging is a natural process. I mean, I lost my, one of my very, very close friends. She was my best friend from school. Uh, I lost her, I think, three or four years back. And, and it also gave me a reality check then that, you know, oh, my God, we are lucky to be able to get old. It's not a taboo to get old. It's like a privilege to get old, really. Forever, I've gone on ranting in English, but again, you know, for all the daisies around there, I was in Delhi and college was in so my full background is, you know, full-on Delhi. There were many Punjabi friends and, you know, we used to use all sorts of slang language. You know, there's 
like i told my little boy the other day ki ek jhapar lagana hai he said give it then because he knows what jhapar it means giving him a good smack so he turns around and tells me give it then and i was like okay then don't trouble me mere bhai because again i'm sure maine hi bola hoga are mere bhai mujhe itna tang mat kar and so he'll turn around and tell me that in hindi now it's a shame rob's not picked up any hindi though he has स्लैंग वर्ड्स तो उसने काफी ले लिए एंड काफी सारे स्वेर वर्ड्स बट हाँ उसके सिवा उसको कुछ नहीं समझ में आया अभी तक विच इज अ गुड थिंग बिकॉज मुझे उसको सिखाना भी नहीं है बिकॉज फिर किसके साथ उसकी बुराइयाँ करू नॉट दैट आई डू बट स्टिल एंड यू नो ही इज ऑल्सो अ बिग गॉसिप ओ माई गॉड उसके सामने कुछ बोल दिया तो मतलब इंडिया में ही छाप सो यू नो आई ट्राई नॉट टू इंटेलिज ऑल दीज सॉर्ट ऑफ कॉन्वर्सेशन इन english with him around especially things that i don't want out and about so you know tell him tell the world it's like that yeah and that's about it i think i've gone on and on for ages i did not expect to do that on my first talk with the uh, diaspora i'm really really grateful for akashika to put me on it because akashika and i go back a very very long time i think we've known each other over 20 years really we met years and years back in delhi in in one of those really weird dance classes where i don't know what we were trying to do really i think we just came for entertainment purposes and we were young and crazy and then when we met we realized we were both pretty crazy together so so we do go back a very long way so i look forward to further chats with her talking interesting things taboo things maybe even things that people don't really want to hear so look forward to seeing you next time bye